Welcome to the show. That's Alan. I'm... That's Jen. And I'm Cameron. <laughs> Today, we're talking about the Rebels. But they're also the Hills. You can say the name of the show. Conspiracy What? Welcome to Conspiracy What? <laughs> the show where we talk about aliens and mysteries and conspiracies and death and technology and... It's Albert Einstein watching people put their hands on ships. It's wild. Everything's wild. Anyway, I am one of the hosts. I'm Cameron. And there's also Allie. And Jen. And Jen. Back for more. That's me. No, that's Jen is not. <laughs> Jen is the one who said back for more. Allie's the other one. Anyway, today one. we are on part two of. Welcome back. Of Barty and Benny Hill. <laughs> Betty B&B. and Barney Hill. B&B. B&B, as we said last time, the first Airbnb. And their super wild abduction adventure. Yeah. And now we're going to tell you about all the fun things that happened after. Okay, so to, to go over briefly. I feel like we literally just last episode spent an hour talking about the day after. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> kind of did. We spent, we spent it talking about like the, the week after, the basically. Next day. Yeah. <laughs> but just to go over it real quick. They drove through the mountains, they encountered an alien spaceship, possibly, and then they talked to the military about it, and the military was like, other people did too, but it's probably not true. And that's a quick sum up. And yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. Okay, listen to part one. Because yeah. this is part two. Yes. You need the uh, you need the context of the part one. <laughs> To know what we're going to talk about now. So I forget how they got in touch with NICAP. It had to do with the, the book, remember, from last time, where she, like, wrote her name in the book. Oh! Yeah. yeah. And they, the like, kind of reached out page. to her. But then she, she wrote a letter back, and then they sent out this guy named Walter Webb to come interview them for a NICAP report. Cool. Cool. And so this was in October, so it was pretty quickly after the event. And this was actually about the same time that Betty's dream started up, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about next. Webb wrote a confidential report for NICAP titled A Dramatic UFO Encounter in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, September 19th through 20th, 1961. That's the whole title. So if it was confidential, it was just for the Hills and NICAP. But now we know, know about, about it. Yes. Again, like I said, that'll be an important point later. So remember the word confidential and NICAP. <laughs> oh, so he interviewed Betty and Barney. He interviewed them, what, separately and together for six hours? Yep, all in one day. I do remember reading that they they were surprised that their stories were accurate or uh, similar, surprisingly uh, yeah. similar to each other. Yeah, this Even was, though they were interviewed separately. This was when, so the interviews with NICAP in, in October were basically the kinds of questions that kind of got Betty and Barney to start um, really thinking about the little details. And so they started to actually naturally recall, allegedly, mm-hmm. <laughs> some of these things that happened. Like the stuff that was on the ship, like during their amnesia period. Um, so is this when Betty's just like, oh, 
Conveniently, I've started having these dreams. Let me tell you all about them. I don't think she told NICAP about the dreams just okay. yet, because she had just started having them around the same time. So it's kind of like two things happening at once, where she's mm-hmm. talking to NICAP. Did we say what NICAP stands for? We did last episode. Go listen to part one. <laughs> we won't tell you what it stands for otherwise. The National... Incredible Character Actors Performance. Oh, here it is. National Investigations Committee for Aerial Phenomena. There we go. Do, yes. Do, 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 do. Yeah, anyway, she she wrote in her diary about this whole thing, and she was saying that this is kind of what got them started on really trying to figure out what actually happened to them. And so then, we've been hinting at this for an entire episode and now the whole intro, but Betty started having some wild dreams. <laughs> Correct. In them, Betty, Barney, and the men, or the human... humanoids? The The, beings. The greys. Walked up a ramp into a disc-shaped craft, and Betty and Barney were separated. Betty protested to the man she dubbed the leader. Which she does pretty consistently. Yeah. The leader claims if they were examined together, it would take longer to conduct the exams, which is... that's weird. You know too much. And then Betty dreams a new man enters the scenario. Similar. So all the beings, she's picturing them, they're all similar. They're all in, humanoid in beings that aren't, their facial features aren't different enough to make them differentiate. Ha <laughs> ha. So in her dreams, is she seeing them wearing suits? Is that part of her dream? It slowly evolves. So the dreams start very minimal. She just remembers being like, Almost tortured is kind of what it starts out as. Mm -hmm. Because it's the question of whether or not they were considered dreams or nightmares. And some people consider like the first part of it nightmares and the second part. But a really important part is that the beings are all generally, like, she describes them as firm but kind in her dreams. Eventually she does. Yeah. But it doesn't start that way. That's what I'm saying. It starts more aggressive and scarier. Similar to how it seems like... She changes thoughts consistently on whether or not, like, seeing the ship was scary or whether or not it Mm -hmm. was a nice, happy event. And that definitely bounces back and forth consistently, too. She's she's very wishy-washy on the emotion of everything. Yeah, she kind of plays it to her advantage when she, depending on the situation in which she's explaining something. Mm -hmm. Right. Either way, these, uh, the exams are basically the beings trying to figure out how humans function, I would guess. Mm -hmm. They put Betty in a chair under a bright light. Uh, They cut off a piece of her hair, examined her eyes, ears, mouth, teeth, throat, and hands, saved some fingernail trimmings, examined her legs and feet, and used a dull knife to scrape some of her skin onto what she she called cellophane. Mm Mm-hmm. It was and, like a clear, yeah. So it was like a clear piece of cellophane, which seems. I don't know if you ever tried to just kind of lay out some cellophane in your hand and put some cellophane on it, is the worst. Crinkles into a sticky mess. So. Sticks on everything. I hope it wasn't cellophane. Who knows what it was? Alien cellophane is probably more advanced. That's <laughs> <laughs> alien cellophane than human cellophane. And then Betty claims they tested her nervous system by thrusting a needle into her navel which caused agonizing pain, but then the leader waved his hand in front of her eyes and the pain vanished. And this is all according to Betty, right? This in is, her dreams. Yeah, these are her <laughs> dreams, and this is the, the accounts 
she wrote in the books and has been interviewed about. And this is really what kicks off the entire story of Betty and Barney Hill because Mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things where it's like it starts out just as a UFO encounter. And then this guy comes in and he interviews them originally, and it seems like that's kind of when her dreams first show up, because it's hard to say since there was nobody really talking to them before this. And then he, I mean, it kind of sounds like it's like, it was a UFO encounter like everyone else. What if it wasn't? Well, yeah, it kind of seems like they're like, let's have Nightcap over for cocktails. And then Becky just got like too sloshed and was like, and then they stabbed a needle into my navel. that in the recordings too Uh, no that's not that's my interpretation Uh, of betty i'm sorry that's not her so this next part of the dream is is like my favorite it's my favorite part of this whole story betty like apparently engages in a conversation with this this leader person like a conversation yeah and she said he spoke english but not well so it was hard for her to understand it's like these things get, as she's like, as she's talking, I can just picture it in her interviews as she's talking. She's like, oh, and now I remember that he kind of could speak English. Yeah, only one of them could speak English. It was just the leader. Just the like. just the quote unquote leader, even though she calls him a leader. But like we later find out, nobody listens to him. Only <laughs> <So, laughs> Betty is <laughs> Because at one point he gives her something, and then the other two come in and they're like, "No, it's a you book. can't have that." Yeah, he he gives her a book because she's yeah. all like, well, "I, oh, I want to take something home." It. Yeah, the leader is like, "Yeah, you can take that," and then she sees like the map with the stars, which we'll talk about later. And when when she's being escorted out from the ship is when all of these other beings are like, "No, she can't no, she, take proof." She, she said they came in during. The exam, which is why I want to talk about it. In a no, it's in the hypnosis. Right in the dreams, they came in and took the book from her. It's all. <laughs> Hang on, we're gonna pause real, real quick and go back to our research. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, she calls him the leader, but that's seemingly only because she talks to him firsthand. Right. It. Right. It was just like the first person, the first humanoid to walk her into a room. So she's like, "That must be the leader." And he speaks slight English. He doesn't know what a zipper is. Whatever. It's fine. He's fascinated by zippers. Little details. Learn to speak a whole language, but you can't understand a zipper. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. So, time goes on, and they become increasingly, like, full of anxiety, and Betty's having these horrible dreams, and Barney actually starts to have, like, physical problems from the amount of stress that he's under, Mm -hmm. and so, basically, he... They kind of like go around and they see a bunch of people talking and they they ask for hypnosis and a lot of people actually turn them down saying that you know you need to find somebody who's like an actual professional like somebody mm-hmm. who's a psychiatrist and specializes in hypnosis mm-hmm. so what eventually they end up doing just for barney is they find him a psychiatrist because because he's having what they assume are health problems directly connected to his stress so mm-hmm. they're like okay we need to like take care of your mental health and so then they find benjamin simon who actually ends up also being a hypnosis specialist Convenient. so yeah he's already barney's psychiatrist and then both he and betty show up and are like hey i like how it's like benjamin's like yeah i'm treating your brain oh hypnosis you say yes i can do that too <laughs> yeah so they go and they get this guy to do hypnosis on both of them and that's where all of these things kind of start coming out and 
I highly recommend listening to the audio of some of the hypnosis sessions because it, it's kind of freaky. The They're just like talking and then the emotional outbursts that come from Barney especially, it's very interesting. Yeah. And it's not all of it is posted out there because a lot of it is yeah. still confidential. Well, and a lot... it I found one on YouTube that was just really long and it was a lot of just Benjamin saying random shit. So it was like, okay, just give me the, the Cliff's Notes version. <laughs> okay, so... Oh, Benjamin walks them through the night they were driving in New Hampshire, confirming times and places they stopped. Right. And one thing I wanted to bring up is one thing that is often considered here is people think that, like, we're eventually going to see this Benjamin Simon supposedly misleads them. But he actually consistently said he did not have an interest in the alien stuff. Mm -hmm. He had an interest in the issues that were going on with Barney. Mm -hmm. That was his interest. And that's what he wanted to get to the bottom to. He's even noted as sometimes ignoring the alien stuff Mm -hmm. and focusing on what happened that night and why, like, the more traumatic stuff. Yeah, because Barney... It's clear Barney is dealing with some post-traumatic stress of yeah. some nature. And, and I forget what the term is, but the like the amnesia that he has is called something specific. Mm. Like It's like a PTSD-linked amnesia. Yeah, so it's he's, just traumatic Yeah, amnesia, he's trying yeah. to lock that missing time without further traumatizing Barney. So Right. And again, Simon didn't have really much of an interest in the alien stuff. He's not an alien enthusiast or anything like that. He's trying to avoid it. He's honestly just a doctor who used hypnosis. He also chose not to use sodium pentothal because sodium pentothal, you are more easily influenced Mm -hmm. under truth serum. Mm -hmm. So he wanted something that was a lot more pure, which hypnotism, especially at the time, was thought to be more pure, even though it's still argued about today how honest hypnotism is. Okay, so... A summary of both hip- of their hypnosis sessions. Six beings met them at a roadblock in the mountains, ushered them onto the ship. Um, beings were described as short and human-like, grayish skin, large dark eyes, seemed to be mostly pupil, but may have had a thin yellowish outline. Um, no ears, just ear holes, although one of them admits ears may be under the hats. Yeah, I think it was Barney that was like, well, I'm pretty sure I just saw ear holes, but they were also wearing caps. So, But they also had no hair. So they were wearing caps, but Barney knew they had no hair. I saw a couple different things. I wasn't really sure where this came in, yeah. but somebody said they had hair, and then later they said they didn't have hair. Okay. And so I don't know if Well, they... I mean, yeah, there's a lot of contradicting yeah. <laughs> research out there. And then, let's see, five fingers on most of the beings, but two of the fingers in the middle are mostly fused together. Mm-hmm. Like they said, you could tell it was supposed to be like two fingers. I, I didn't but see any. But it was any, like webbed, I kind of. He said it wasn't webbed specifically. Oh. Yeah, that's unfortunate for them. How are they supposed to live long and prosper <laughs> if their fingers are fused together? Um, I don't know if anybody has seen Doctor Who that listens to this podcast, but uh, it reminds me of the Silence, I which are not basically just like the Men in Black mixed with the Greys. Oh, okay. Um, because as you can see in this little picture here, yes, I see them. He is an alien, but he's wearing a nice little suit, and also the hands are the same, which is why mm-hmm. I put them on there. Because mm-hmm. he's got like the giant middle finger, which are like two fingers. Okay. So, so all the beings are wearing the same dark suit and hat or cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they speak to each other or communicate to each other, it was like humming. So. <laughs> yep, they totally sang songs to each other. <laughs> The audiobook I was listening to actually did it really well. Um, 
It's kind of creepy because I wasn't expecting it. I was like at this point kind of half listening and she just goes mum 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 and I was like oh well that's <laughs> that's very alien like. Creepy. She definitely did a weird voice as well. Yeah. Maybe it's just a British toddler. Mum 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 mummy mum 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 mum. If anyone out there has a British toddler just confirm for me. Like if also if you're like just American and you have like no accent, you have a British toddler. Let me know because I'm also <laughs> curious as to why. So it's another conspiracy. I just took this toddler home from my <laughs> last visit to London. Um, okay, so because Dr. Simon was interested in in Barney's brain, <laughs> Barney went under hypnosis first. Yeah, and he was also having the most problems. So. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I think. The story goes, Simon was actually surprised that Betty also wanted to be <laughs> Me too, me too. It was like, they showed up together, and he was like, oh, hey, Barney. And then she was like, no, also me. And he was like, ah. Listen, I've seen some traumatic things, too. <laughs> I want to be included. Yeah. They they put a needle in my navel. Needle in my navel. Needle in my navel. Needle navel. So Barney. They had a book. So Barney, um, Barney's accounts were less detailed than Betty's, which are not surprising at all because in the, in part one, go listen to it. Uh, Barney was all like, yeah, it happened. Let's move on with life. He wasn't having dreams. Let's not talk about it. He wasn't having dreams. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, he was definitely apprehensive to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I don't think we mentioned. The hypnosis started... They started doing hypnosis in 1964. Yeah. Which is three years yeah. after the event. So just keep right. that in mind. So, they yeah, been working on it still, though, throughout They were that talking time. to people. But they stuff, were also but... keeping it under wraps throughout that time, too, because Barney was still very reluctant to yeah. talk about it. And... The military had kind of shut them down eventually, as we talked about last time, by, again, being like, yeah, other people saw exactly what you did, including a military base. So I'm going to call it bullshit. We're going to move on. All right. So Barney does say he recalls witnessing non-human figures. Um, He was he became quite emotional and had uh, expressions of fear and emotional outbursts. Barney said due to his fear, he kept his eyes closed for much of the abduction and physical examination. Um, This is creepy. Quote from Barney. I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes. Oh, those eyes. They're there in my brain. And I'm just like, make it stop. That was a pretty common motif with his hypnotism transcripts was him talking about the eyes specifically. And a lot of it was like out of context, too. Where he would just randomly say, like, oh, those eyes, they're in my brain. And, and other things similar to that. And usually when he, like, I don't know, he just, his emotions were so intense. It was like, clearly he was suffering from trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that it's during the hypnosis that he confirms that the binocular strap that was broken happened while he was trying to escape. Um, so while he was, like, running away, it snapped. Okay. Right. Yeah, because at this point, they're pretty sure that they've been abducted. Mm-hmm. Now that they've kind of gone through something, uh, someone must have grabbed them. They There's the whole idea of seeing multiple men come around the car. Uh, he actually said, too, that he didn't even realize that he had turned onto a different road uh, and getting lost. But eventually, after driving down said road that 
he thought he was still on the main one, he suddenly realized, like, oh, I'm not on Route 3 anymore. And that's where they hit the roadblock, right? They mm-hmm. just, right. He just, it's almost like he was compelled yeah. to turn off of Route 3, and then it's like, oh, shit, roadblock, and then... Hit a roadblock with a giant fireball somewhere around the area. And a blimp! Go Possibly. listen to part one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So he, he remembers the six men in the road that kind of, they split into two groups of three and take he and Betty out of the car and up to the ship. And then that's where he and Betty get separated. Um, he confirms all of the, the things that like were in Betty's dreams where it was like they scraped his skin, they placed a cup or like something over his genitals and he thinks that they took like a sperm sample. Although he says that there was no... There was no erection. There was no ejaculation. He didn't do anything. Like, but he's like he's for some reason is really sure that they took a sample. Yeah, and this seems to be more of a abusive, traumatic situation than Betty's description mm-hmm. of her examination. Yeah, it, it kind of goes again. It goes back to that whole like she seems to sometimes remember this as being like a wonderful experience, mm-hmm. even though they're injecting needles into her and yeah. at Causing one point, pain. what was the what was the thing they like scraped off her skin with a dull knife? Yeah, Ugh. like <laughs> with a dull knife. Well, and the weird thing <laughs> with this part of Barney's memory is that shortly after the event, Barney actually had like a ring of warts grow on his genitals, like exactly where he claims this cup was placed over him and like fortunately they were mostly harmless and removed but they were like in a perfect circle which is really weird (laughs) um oh yeah his dentures they were like super fascinated that he could could take his teeth out Mm -hmm. they're like whoa do it again Um, yeah, I think this is also the first account of an anal probe as well. He nice. says that was pretty quick. He doesn't really go into it, at least in the transcripts that we have. Yeah. And um, he also mentioned single finger pressure, like somebody's like poking in his spine. He said it felt like somebody was counting his vertebrae. And then he also confirmed the mumbling language, where he couldn't really understand what they were saying, but it was like a just kind of a humming or a mumbling but then there's Betty, <laughs> who is a lot more detailed yeah, because her eyes were open. Sounds like pretty much the whole time. She, her eyes, her mouth was open. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, was she doesn't shut to up. Them. She talks to the him leaders the entire like, time. Why did we choose these people? I can, I have to imagine there's like some part that's like like you're the leader. I'm not the leader. You're the leader. I'm not the leader. No, I'm what, not. What's the this leader? leader? They're like, okay, we cannot keep these people because I will kill her. So let's put them back where we found them. (laughs) Yeah, there's one part, like, um, she's talking about how they took them to the ship. And she's, like, calling out to Barney because he's still asleep. And she's like, Barney, wake up, Barney. And, like, one of the creatures holding her goes, oh, his name's Barney. And she's like, none of your business. (laughs) What? (laughs) Cool. Okay. Yeah. So let's so going back into like we we kind of brought it up briefly just a couple of minutes ago, but so they go over according to her her eyes, her ears, mouth, teeth, throat, hands. They mm-hmm. scrape off some skin with a dull knife. They cut her fingernails and they keep that. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty much everything else before like up to going into the ship matches Barney's description. Mm-hmm. Although the one thing with the six men, she actually says in the hypnosis that there are eight to eleven men in the road, but then she says that they. They split into two groups of three, which mm. I thought was funny. Yeah, I'll give her... That's, like, one of the few things I'll give her a pass on pretty easily, just because if you're in the middle of the night on a very dark road in the middle of the 
the woods and all you have are headlights. It could very easily look deceptive. Oh yeah, they're in the forest. So, and possibly what she meant is she thought she saw 8 to 11 in front, but only three approached on each side. Meaning that she didn't say that that's everyone that approached on each okay. side. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Betty goes under hypnosis. Um, she also had considerable emotional distress when recounting her capture and the examination. Sometimes. Um, yeah, she kind of, yeah. It was, was fun, but really, like, they were mean, well, too. Well, and Simon, so this says Simon ended one session early because she was upset. She was crying. And then I listened to one audio clip that she kept saying she was afraid. Mm-hmm. And he, Dr. Simon says, but you said you weren't afraid. She goes, I wasn't afraid then. I'm afraid now. Yeah, which... And she's she's clearly emotional in the audio clip and so it's it's i don't i can't i can't figure out if she is feeling afraid to divulge the abduction like afraid of the of the repercussions i don't know i mean if i'm gonna go like with the whole idea that this is all true then maybe they like drugged her because yeah. maybe she freaked out. I'm saying maybe, yeah, maybe she yeah. freaked out when they first showed up, and Barney didn't. So that's why he wasn't drugged, and yeah, why he and didn't have such her, a happy experience. Like, this is so calming. Thanks. Also, she got the only alien that spoke broken English. So <laughs> yeah. that's lucky. That's unfortunate for Barney. Because meanwhile, he's just got a bunch of them standing around just Like, humming. here, give me your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but speaking of Barney, um, I think we mentioned in the last episode that he, when they got home, he noticed like all these scuffs on the top of his shoes, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So this is where Betty confirms basically what happened to his shoes. Um, so Barney is unconscious and, or mostly unconscious. He's like kind of in a hypnotic state where he is upright, but he's not responsive. Right. And his eyes are closed, obviously. Um, so these beings are basically, they're holding him up and dragging him through the woods. And so his toes are dragging on the ground. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened to his shoes, supposedly, is he was being dragged through the forest and his shoes got fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And then Betty claims, well, under hypnosis, I don't know if that's a claim or just a Says. recall. <laughs> um, she she willingly walked uh, onto the ship on her own, but did have, she did struggle and her dress was torn. Yeah, so that explains that the dress, and this is also, like in the hypnosis, she, she makes it more clear that the beings were, like they could get frustrated mm-hmm. and they were angry with her when she resisted because they did have a firm grip on her. So... She when also, she resisted, she, I mean... She also claims here that she resisted, and that's possibly why the dress was torn. But then she also claims a different time that it's because they didn't know what a zipper was. No, it's torn in multiple places. So the zipper was okay. torn, and also the hem, like, on the bottom. Because when I saw torn. a picture of it, it showed only the dress, like, the front of it being torn. That's yeah. it. Oh, yes, they were like... There this, was a picture, what and is it shows literally we'll the whole... It <laughs> it's literally just the front. There's nothing else yeah. ripped on the dress. So, <laughs> picture says otherwise... But, I mean, unless it was ripped maybe in a weird place in the back that you just couldn't tell. Let's go to New Hampshire to the Betty and Barney Museum exhibit and find out. Stay tuned, listeners. Mini soda for later. Anyways, okay. Uh, so... But, I mean, this this is where, like, we talked about it. So she has a conversation with the leader. Essentially, she has a conversation mm-hmm. with the leader. And I know this is where I want to go back. I want to talk about the book. The book. Yeah. First of all, she says there's a book. 
Which I'm still confused by. And she picked a book up off a shelf. The book. Yeah, I guess. She just kind of took a book. But she happens to take the book that's got, like, all their history in it. Like, what do the other books have? Recipes? <laughs> like, what are they for if there's Human other soup. books? But she doesn't mention that there are other books. Yeah. Because she takes just the book she sees is what it sounds like. Well, they're aliens. They only need one book because their technology is so much more advanced than ours that they can store all of their information. But she, so she takes this book and she's like, the leader said I could have it. And it has like all their history on it. Yeah. And he didn't see why this would be a problem. Yeah. They are conducting a secret autopsy on these two people that they just abducted from the middle of the road in the middle of the mountains right during hurricane season. And it's totally fine to just take the history of their civilization. <laughs> yep. That's that's one. Two, she says that the leader told her, which again, I feel like he was probably like, thanks, but I'm a PA. Like he's not. <laughs> <laughs> just an assistant. <laughs> I'm just here to help really. But, and then they come in and they like tell her now is what. Yeah, other yeah. people, which um, I think it's actually Simon who says, these people sound more like they're the leaders. Since right. they have a more commanding presence. Yeah. And they come in and tell this guy what to do. Yeah, they come in and they say, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and then they take the book and they leave. Mm -hmm. And then he just pulls down a chart. Like like, a, like here's a map. a map. They left. Here, let me show you something it, else we have. It's described as one of those... Um, one of those like overheads that you use in like classrooms, like mm -hmm. the projectors where you like pull down like the white thing and you, what's that called? What's that? Screen? Yeah, sure. It's a screen. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's a white screen and you pull it down and you project something on it. And that's essentially what she describes this as, except for it's a map and then lights are projected onto it, which mm -hmm. a lot of the cases of people recounting this, other people recounting her story of recounting the story. Mm -hmm. They say it's like a hologram. Right. But it is absolutely not described. Like and then hologram. I also saw something that said that it was like a hologram that she saw through a window or something. And then there was, like you said, projected onto a screen. And like specifically she says pulled it down. Like he pulled down a She map. specifically and, says pulled down and then put back up too. And then she also says hologram though. So she alone has already mixed this up. Uh, did she say hologram? Because yeah, I didn't see she she her actually say hologram. But a lot of people said too that she shouldn't have known what a hologram was because they wouldn't have had that technology at the point at that point in time. Well, she said whatever, like they didn't know the terminology, but she said basically a hologram. Well, yeah, but people said that that hadn't been any technology that anyone would have seen at that point in time or known about because we didn't have it. So that was some things that I saw people use mm. as proof. However, that those types of ideas had been written into books since like 1920. So holograms may have been new to science later on, but they were not new right. to literature and to pop culture. It's something that was known. Mm. But the way she described it, from what I could tell, is it's just like an overhead screen. Yeah. And she pulls that down. But and It's the a slideshow <laughs> of my last trip through the star map. <laughs> so apparently... Like, all of these dots are connected with different kinds of lines. So there's, like, solid lines and there's dotted lines. And the leader says that the solid lines are trade routes and then the dashed lines are less traveled stars. So basically it's like a, a route map. And they call it the Zeta Reticuli yes. star chart. That'll be That's later it during It is eventually the... called, yeah. <laughs> And then my favorite okay. thing is just their kind of regular conversation that apparently ensues after the map where he's kind of like asking her questions and they bring up the teeth again and so Betty has to explain what old age is and like how getting teeth removed is. It's, it's and 
the leader's like, what's teeth? And she has to like explain like the dentures. And then uh, he, she talks about like the lifespan of humans. And the, the leader goes, well, what's time? And what's old age? And I forget where the what's yellow comes in, but they're talking about colors of things. And the leader goes like, well, what's yellow? What's yellow? And she supposedly like got up and was like walking around the room trying to find something yellow to show him and never found anything yellow. And I'm like, these are all very strange details. Did you get up? After they pulled the needle out of you, or was it just like connected? This is to you like having a conversation with a five-year-old who's like, "But why? <laughs> but why? But why?" And that's um, where they're saying like he speaks English, but he seems to not have any actual understanding of what any of these words right. actually mean. Yeah, and she says that one of the machines they use on her too is like an EEG machine, too, which hmm. I'm pretty sure is what she says, if I remember right. I think you're thinking of um, the books that it was like something that wasn't actually in practice yet it was a kind of uh, pregnancy test where oh, you yeah. pull the amniotic fluid out to, and you can use that to test. No, I'm talking about an EEG. They specifically, the book mentions EEG, which is a brain monitor. Oh, but oh, with the, the needles, type of yeah, one that, that she describes is already outdated by the time she describes it. But that makes sense. Because that's what she would have known. <laughs> Beyond that, though, she doesn't mention details. That is one thing I'll say. There is not a single detail in this that's not something she would have, wouldn't have heard of at some point in time. Which is part of the controversy here. Is there's nothing in here that's special. It sounds special at first. And so you realize that it's all stuff that she would have been around at some point in time. So, okay. Sorry, just moving on. <laughs> I just read something on the notes. When... Is she under hypnosis when she draws, when she recounts her memory of the star map? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she does that under hypnosis. He prompts her to draw what she sees as she's... Okay. As she's explaining the trade routes and the the less traveled... Yeah. And actually when she draws said map, Simon keeps it from her. Because I don't know if we mentioned after every hypnosis session, he commands them to forget what they talked about. Right. So that they, he doesn't further traumatize them. That's weird. So he... The humanoids also did that to them. Exactly. Dun, dun. <laughs> so Dr. Simon's an alien. But he, he's got her map oh, until way later. Dr. Simon's an alien. <laughs> he's over here like, what do you remember? Forget that. <laughs> Forget everything. <laughs> Forget that too. Yeah, no. That never happened. Okay. So actually, like, the way that they remember a lot of these things is when they're listening to their own tapes later. Okay, so then Dr. Simon, his conclusions are that Barney was susceptible to fantasies based off of Betty's dreams, which ultimately frustrating. Yeah, (laughs) of course, Barney, Barney's struggling, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's just like, I came to you for help. And now you're just telling me that. Well, and yeah, and the reason why one of the reasons why that conclusion has been actually held on to even to now is because. What it's thought is that Benny, or it's thought that, God, I want to I keep doing that. Betty. Betty, 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 Betty. She is thought to have possibly been talking in her sleep, which would have influenced mm-hmm. Barney. Even if he's not awake, it would have influenced him on like a subliminal level, which means he would have understood some of what was going on, 
which is why he had bits and details, but also some of his details were incorrect. Mm-hmm. So that's why that conclusion's been held onto, because it does, in a way, make sense. It doesn't explain everything. It doesn't account yeah. for, like, the compass on the car. It doesn't account for leaves on their table. But it does account for certain aspects, at least of their memory. But it does also, like, him just having his eyes closed out of fear also accounts for some of his missing details. Mm -hmm. Because some of the ways he described, like, the feelings of things are consistent with how people describe things that they're, like, not able to see. So, like, it can go both ways, which is obviously why this is on a conspiracy podcast. Well, right, because you can't just outright deny that all of this happened. I mean, you can, but you can't, like, just outright deny every single detail. There are things that you can't go against. And it's, her dreams are, honestly, their hypnosis and her dreams are the most suspect things here. But they're also the, possibly the most reliable part of their story. So... If I had just heard Barney's account, I would have been like, absolutely something very traumatic happened to these people. Yeah. But because Betty lived longer and she continued to be like, we're going to talk about this. It's like, mm, okay, you kind of, uh, I just don't want to listen to you anymore. <laughs> well, I shouldn't have been able to keep the book. That would have been awkward, yeah. though, if she had arrived home with amnesia and she has a book in her lap from aliens. Yeah. That would have been a been little like, bit weird. Barney, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> I like how we just got her from California now. <laughs> Um, but another thing that was weird with the hypnosis is the whole time they actually never faltered in their belief that this really happened. Yeah. And even when Simon was like, are you sure this wasn't in a dream? Like, they would consistently get upset, like, even while hypnotized. Yeah. Or they'd be like, no, I definitely saw this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to bring this up again. People keep, every thing I read throws Barney, or not Barney, throws Simon under the bus. Mm-hmm. He did not have anything to do with promoting their weird alien story. No, definitely not. He, in fact, was on the side of every other skeptic of this probably isn't 100% accurate. Well, he was on the side of, I'm trying to help this man. Well, and he thought he's, what I I understood is he he came to the conclusion that something traumatic happened to them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it... He was pretty sure it was not what they thought. Yeah. But he also was pretty sure he was not going to be able to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Because they were already so influenced by the idea of this alien story. Yep. So. Okay. So remember how I said confidential NICAP? Yes. Well, ultimately, that interview came out and was put in the newspaper against Benny and Barney's wishes completely. It was put in the press. This was in a... Put 1964. Yep. It was in 1965. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, their story gets released to the press. They are extremely upset about this. Do you have the picture of... Oh, yeah. I do. They're just like, God damn it. There's a picture <laughs> of them, you know, like holding up the newspaper with their story in it. And you can kind of see... I don't know. Maybe just because I've, I've heard what they had to say. But their faces to me are like... God damn it, you motherfuckers. <laughs> well, and Betty's just like, eh, she's got this weird look on her face. Anywho's, read the they, newsletter. And they blame NICAP, but NICAP blames blames Webb. So, Webb's... Oh, but Webb blames NICAP. <laughs> but, yeah, but Webb supposedly is... I mean, he's pretty much the person who he's put the out the story. The interview, yeah. Well, he's also the one who put out the story at the end of the day. And NICAP, in theory, ne- didn't necessarily have anything yeah. to do with it. But I feel like it was kind of like, you can do it if you want to do it. Yeah. But like we're not gonna do, we're not gonna well, claim problem, we were with you. The reason why they were so upset about this is after they had had the hypnosis sessions, they were actually kind of like, 
feeling a little better. This is like going okay. Maybe we can, especially Barney. Obviously, was like right. We well, they were able lives. to unload some of the the emotions and trauma of the experience, and, and not be ridiculed because Doctor Simon's like you know a professional and he's not going to judge them. That's it's still a weird thing to me though to be like like to be Barney and be like yeah it was terrifying and they gave me weird warts on my leg because they were taking stuff from me but. Thanks, Doc. Now that you've said it, I feel so much better. Yeah, I mean, they were still obviously traumatized. Yeah, I I don't think Barney ever got over any of it, considering the shortness of his life and how he died, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, NICAP et al. (laughs) betrayed their trust. Yeah. Someone somewhere was like, that confidential report, we're going to put it in the newspaper. Well, I think it was also kind of spite, because the person that released the story had asked... Uh, Simon for an interview and was denied. Um, and he asked the Hills for an interview and was obviously denied. Yeah. And so he was trying to get people to actually give him a story and they all said no. And so instead of, you know, listening to them and he just went against he their was wishes like, well, and was I'm like, I'm gonna fucking write something and put it out there. And the biggest problem for the Hills was Barney was really into like social activism and political justice, and he had just taken a position working with um, the NAACP, and he was like getting his life going, and they were both working with their church pretty often, and Betty still had her like full-time job, and they were worried that this kind of publicity would basically ruin their lives. Mm-hmm. So what's funny to me is they actually decided to take an approach of, well, if it's out here, this is what we call taking lemons <laughs> and saying, fuck the lemons. <laughs> We're going to write Put a fucking book about shirt. the lemons. <laughs> take, take the lemons and say, fuck the lemons. <laughs> We're going to write a book with John Fuller about our experience to correct any inconsistencies that the paper had. And it was apparently full of them. So they write up a contract with this guy. And also Simon gets involved so that they have access to the tapes. And they write The Interrupted Journey, which came out, I think, in 1966. It's out of print, unfortunately, but you can find it as an ebook. And so that's kind of the first 300-some-odd-page story of their full UFO encounter that is out there. Right. And so now they're famous. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing that was after the newspaper was first widely released to the public. Now you can come and read about it. It's like the Kardashians of the 60s. So now Betty's like, oh, well, we got to keep riding this money train. So how about I try to contact the beings? Oh, man. This is my favorite part of the story. (laughs) And actually, I really only read about this in in the book, Captured. And I couldn't really find a lot about the aftermath, really, after the paper was released and after the book was released. So basically, she gets into... Something called psychophysics. Yeah. With a guy named Robert Homan, who was just an investigator, although at the time he was claiming to be a scientist. But in reality, he was really just a writer. I miss the good old days when you could just claim to be something. (laughs) Like, I'm a doctor, do some cocaine. Yeah. (laughs) That was That's how it went down in the 70s, obviously. (laughs) Like, I'm a scientist, not, and this is, my science is psychophysics. (laughs) 
Yeah, so he puts together a small team to help the Hills. I like how they they also said the Hills, but really at this time it was just kind of Betty. Yeah. Barney. Uh, yeah. Like, Betty was writing these letters to these people and signing it, Betty and Barney Hill, but it was so obviously just from Betty. I think at this time Barney and officially just like gave It's it like up. when your grandma sends you a birthday card and it says, like, with love, grandma and grandpa, but it's all but in you know, her handwriting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like that. Um, but she decides she wants to initiate contact with the UFO people, which is how she refers to them. The UFO <laughs> people. And I love how it's like, they're aliens, but they're people. It's like, well, which is it? They're just UFO people. Okay. They don't have a home. Yeah. Let's be inclusive. So they try and do, it was pretty vague actually what they were trying to do. The only thing that I saw was she was trying to contact them with thoughts. So she started to... <laughs> She started a routine where she'd stand out on her back porch and try and give the and think really instructions hard. <laughs> as to where she should meet them. Okay. Um, so she's trying to contact them. So telepathy. When I, just... I, when I started this chapter, I thought they were going to be like, we built a device with like a satellite and we were going to send out some like <laughs> no. messages. No, it's just Betty on her porch. I, I just can't help but see like, like Barney walks out one day. She's on the porch, and she's just sitting there trying to, like, communicate both by thinking, but also doing, like, that humming thing that they do. So she's just like... (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, Barney. I'm trying to contact them. So immediately after they start doing these uh, psychophysics, some paranormal activity starts to happen to both the Hills and also their family members. Cool. So it gets kind of wild. Um, there is the ice block incident, which I thought was really interesting. It's similar to the leaf thing where they find the leaves on their table, but this time they find an ice block on their table. And so they specifically put ice in quotes, right? So they're staring at this ice and they're wondering, like, it's, it's sitting on the table, but it's not melting. Okay. And it's a block of ice and it's like there's no snow outside there's nothing that would really make sense that there would be ice and they say that it looks like it's inscribed from the inside like there's writings Mm. in it but they can't really like decipher what it is and they also mention that it's a weird consistency like it's not melting but it's also it's like not as heavy as a block of ice should be and it's also kind of like a weird like is it a gelatinous cube like gummy is there a stapler yeah. in it because that's a pretty typical office prank um. <laughs> what kills me about this is instead of doing anything about it they both actually decide that they don't want to deal with this anymore they're tired of all of this ufo crap so betty puts it in the fucking bathtub and turns on hot water and lets it melt. Cool. And it's gone. Um, that's convenient that it went missing. Yeah. Well, if they had... um, Never mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it it was just gone, which is similar to like the leaf incident where yeah. they didn't do anything about it. They threw the leaves out, she took her earrings, and that was it. Uh-huh. And um, on top of this, they had all these other like your typical poltergeist kind of things happening where uh, they lived in like an apartment complex, but all of the tenants, like the the rooms around them were empty. And Which is called a dream if you live in an apartment. Right? Like, we have no neighbors. Exactly. This is amazing. Except for when there's uh, paranormal activity because then they hear right. like sinks turning on in the rooms next door 
and they hear doors opening and shutting over and over again and windows opening maybe 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 they had neighbors no, maybe didn't. it was all the British toddlers that got brought back to the age like mom 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 <laughs> turning sinks on and off mom <laughs> Yeah, so okay. they start getting all these weird sounds and things, and there was, like, one point where there was a light on in one of the apartments next door, so they were going to go in and, like, turn it off, and it turned off on its own. They were going to go in and turn it off? With whose key? I, this was the 60s. Everything's unlocked oh, all the time. Right. That's true. Yeah, nobody locked. Nobody locked any doors, which also makes me think, like, maybe, just maybe, people might have been going inside of those apartments and yeah. living in them since they were exactly. faking. Yeah. Uh, like waters, I, I do have to I do have to say that I love Betty a little bit though, just because she sees a giant ice cube on a table made of something that might not be water, and her first thought is nope, mm-mm, mm-mm, nope, mm-mm, and then she puts it in the tub. I'm gonna melt this shit. <laughs> Fuck this right <laughs> out of my life. Um so simultaneously actually her family is also having weird things happening where it's like similar stuff where they see like doors opening without anybody around them and lights going on and off and specifically i guess there's one specific story where i don't remember which relation these family members are but they see a car pull up in the driveway and it's like really foggy they see a guy get out and light a cigarette it's a really suspicious looking car for some reason they didn't elaborate on that and so they go out to try and talk to him and it's gone and then they see a bunch of balls of light in the field and which is pretty typical orbs I, I just i go back to like the, a lot of these things like i keep thinking of like what would be like the real life scenario of that it's totally like one of the one of the men in black they pull up in a car just to intimidate them and get them outside right. drawing their attention meanwhile deep in the fog there's three other guys and they all have flashlights could and it just... have been fireflies <laughs> I don't know. It was like specifically apparently like large balls of light that took off into the sky or something. Could it you know, have like been UFOs. the Blue Man Group? <laughs> it just reminded me of the Smoking Man from X Files. No, it is. Like, oh my god, it's a Smoking Man. Yeah, I mean, it's very typical of like this. It's like the X Files thing with orbs and the Smoking Man, and the, I mean, it's very Men in Black. Like we talked about it way, 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 way back when we talked about the Men in Black. Yep. And that's very much what it is. Yeah. All right. And so, so there's the question of. Could this have been gang stalking? And what's yeah. funny with the fact that they're thinking about it being gang stalking, which we've mentioned before, it's basically where like somebody is planting ridiculous things that you're supposed to go out and tell people about, like an ice block on your kitchen table and yeah. a pile of leaves that you look crazy Here, so yeah. that nobody believes you. Here's a fun, quick example. It's like if you had a mask thrown over your face, you were chloroformed, you were put into a car, you didn't know where you were going, you woke up in a warehouse, there's a clown standing in front of you slapping a doctor with a fish, and then they chloroform you again, they take you back to where they picked you up. If you go and tell people that you were kidnapped, brought to a warehouse where you watched a clown slap a doctor with a fish, you You're look crazy. insane. This is why Cam is not allowed to talk about his experience. <laughs> I just yep. laugh it off and keep going. <laughs> he goes under hypnosis and then he's fine. So the, the problem with trying to do this to the Hills is that they won't tell anybody about is it. Is that the Hills were doing it to themselves. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they they were getting rid of all of these things. Right. And they, they weren't, weren't putting in they any weren't reports. Telling. So, Except when did they tell people about it for us to find out? This was a, another book. apparently 
Like this one is written by All right, Martin. The, right, right. The and niece. so she was able to interview Betty b- shortly before she died. Betty's like, so, I'm on my way out anyway. <laughs> I can tell you everything now. So that's where a lot of these weird little things come okay. from. I do feel like it sounds like an escalation though. Because at first, the, at first, like if it's gang stalking, it just leaves on the table with her earrings. Simple, but fan- like fantastical, right? Like something mm-hmm. that doesn't sound real. Then she completely ignores it. And they're like, okay, all right, okay. Ice block with things written inside of it. She just completely <laughs> ignores it, throws it in the bathtub. <laughs> then they're like, we'll turn on sinks next door. Nobody lives there. We'll buy out the apartments, make sure nobody's living in them. <laughs> and we'll just keep having agents go in there, turn on sinks randomly. They Ignoring. do that. They're probably There's probably a guy standing in there, like a clown dre- like dressed up with a fish, beating up a doctor, but they didn't go inside. <laughs> so... They can't even do that. And then they're like, we'll show up on their driveway. We will have a man get out and smoke. He will immediately just fly out of there. We'll have a bunch of guys in the field with flashlights through the fog, creating orbs. <laughs> they still don't tell anybody. You know what else is crazy? Uh, after Barney's death, actually, Betty was still like having these weird kind of things happen. So she was consistently getting what seemed like intruders that were fucking with her apartment while she was gone. And at this time, Kathleen, her niece, lived just below her and heard some of these things happen. And so Betty just assumed that whatever was happening, they were trying to get her to file a police report. So in retaliation, she didn't. She just kept having the locks changed and eventually installed an alarm system, which didn't do anything, but she didn't care. All of her hardcore thinking is what, I mean, maybe they're trying to communicate with her because they don't speak English except for the leader. And she's just like, this is not what I signed up for. I don't want to talk to you this way. <laughs> I, it's like Betty knew that she might have been being gang stalked and was like, no. I just... <laughs> Get fucked. I I really hope this is true and she was being gang stalked instead of it being like weird alien paranormal things. Because the amount of insanity that must have been going on with the FBI if they were gang stalking her or the military or like the NSA or whatever. Well, and the amount of effort put into like, Just okay, for they like, have change no the locks neighbors. Again. <laughs> and we've, we've talked about gang stalking in a, in a similar form, but a little bit different on the show before. We talked about it with Dolce Base. They did a similar thing to a guy where at one point the... The CIA is investigating him, and the Air Force is investigating him, and the NSA are investigating him, but it turns out the NSA are also giving him prank phone calls and pretending to give him fake signals that are from the Air Force base. So, like, it's not like it's past the military to do this. That's a confirmed story, Mm -hmm. too. So, like, they've done that before, but this just sounds like instead of that guy who went literally insane, literally went insane and went to an asylum, (laughs) Betty's just like, nah. She's just like, you know what? No. I'm not gonna do this. That has got to be mind numbing. <laughs> Every week she calls a different company to come change her locks. Like you're insane. So going back to uh, the late '60s, um, Betty starts trying to send her thoughts to the UFO people with instructions as to where to meet her. So she tells them to meet her on a, or like to go to the certain place, like this field. It's a family member's house. And she gives the name, and she says, go and knock on the door, and they will let you in. They're expecting you. And they'll contact me, and I'll come over, right? <laughs> so now we've, we've seen from the aliens that they seem to, in some ways, make these stupid, innocent mistakes and don't really understand things very well, right? Yeah. So 
another family member with the same name that lives a few miles away from this person called Betty and said that they received a strange series of knocks on their door in the middle of the night and they didn't know what was going on and it was something like with the pattern of knocking where it was weird but it was like a knock and like a long silence they're like what is knocking (laughs) (laughs) and then like another pause and (laughs) and they she was like scared or whatever but yeah i just think it's funny like if it was really the aliens they were like um i don't know which one to pick (laughs) Let's just go here. We both have the same name. God damn it. <laughs> so All right. Well, she says that this is And proof. that's when Betty's family was like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like like Cam was saying earlier, I think uh, her sister was also apparently seeing UFOs. So she right. and her sister she actually often went some, out yeah. and apparently often interacted with UFOs. Often. Cool. Often. And All right. Yeah. I guess the conclusion out of these psycho... What was it? Psycho Psychophysics. Physics. Psycho psychics. <laughs> I'm insane, but I can read your mind. <laughs> That's so, a new career field. Psycho psychics. So Homan actually basically told the Hills, uh, aka just Betty, that... They had failed to figure out the signals that were being sent to them. Cool. So all of this paranormal activity where the aliens trying to contact them and they couldn't figure it out and so that was it. You're telling me the guy that didn't know what a zipper was also didn't understand Morse code and sent it to the wrong family's house? The guy who said what is yellow also didn't know how to knock on a door? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Moving on. Anyway, uh, last thing here to talk about, this kind of happened in between a lot of this stuff uh, that we just went over, uh, is Marjorie Fish, who was a pretty well-known hobbyist at the time. She made 3D models, and she often did it of, like, star systems and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, you can look up her work. It's, it's pretty cool, actually. Uh, she was looking at the Zeta 1 and 2 star map that Betty Fish, or that Betty, <laughs> Betty Fish, that Betty had created, and uh, she started thinking about whether or not it would actually fit into a real star map, which is something that she had kind of also done as a hobby. Like she had looked over different star maps. So she goes and works hours and hours and hours and hours, and who knows how long it actually took her. But she spent so much time mapping out all of these different star charts and going through and comparing it to the one Betty made. And she eventually found one that she thought was the star chart. It only had slight differences, but Marjorie claimed that those slight differences were actually just things that we had not discovered yet. Mm-hmm. So that's what was missing was stuff that we hadn't discovered, which accounts for those slight differences and accounts for the trajectory of certain planets and suns within those ranges of that solar system. You know what else is funny? I read that, uh, she, in order to map out Betty's map in a 3D way, she used beads and fishing wire in her own apartment. And it got to a point where, like, I'll post the picture in the newsletter of Betty's drawing, but there are some stars that are very far away from the initial circle that she drew. <laughs> and, and Fish was all like, yeah, I had to, like, build one part into the hallway. <laughs> outside of my place <laughs> she, she was actually very very good at what she did with uh like as a hobbyist for like 3d models and stuff like that she was very good um so the problem though 
is that astronomers claim that the star system is not actually real. So whatever star system she ended up comparing it to, they say they've never heard of it. They don't know what it is. So I couldn't actually find what supposed star system it was. Now, this does eventually... Is, is that why this case is also sometimes referred to the Zeta Reticuli incident? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's my research points to yes, ah. <laughs> because they called it, they called Betty's drawing the Zeta Reticuli star map. Yes, 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 yes. So, mm-hmm. and that's where supposedly the aliens were from. Now, years and years down the line, there is a little fellow named Bob Lazar, who, if you know who he is, you're either in the camp of you believe he's telling the truth, or you're in the camp of you believe he's telling a lie. It's typically how it goes with Bob Lazar. He is just a quick thing. Someone who supposedly worked in Area 51, and he worked on a lot of the alien technology. However, he claims to only have ever seen an alien with his own eyes one time, and it was by accident by looking through like the crack in a door that shouldn't have been open. So he's got kind of a weird story because he claims that he's never actually technically been shown an alien in Area 51. He was just kind of a tech guy. So that's his whole story. Bob Lazar's got a much larger story than that. I'm sure we'll cover it at some point in time because it is very interesting. Anyway, so Bob Lazar eventually claims that actually uh, the Roswell aliens, who we've talked about on the show as well, uh, they were from the Zeta Reticuli star system. I can see Bob Lazar just popping up out of nowhere at some random thing, being like, I'm relevant again. (laughs) I'm just going to say a thing. Yeah, it's kind of weird that he claims the Roswell aliens, because the thing with the Bob Lazar story is, I find it really fascinating, and I think parts of his story are very true. It's just dependent on which parts. I I think he probably worked with the government, things like that. Mm -hmm. But he discredits himself to me with things like the Roswell aliens specifically, just because the Roswell incident for me is not as interesting as people make it out to be. And it is most definitely... I'm going to say probably with 99% certainty has nothing to do with aliens, has everything to do with just governments being stupid and messing things up. So the Roswell incident, when you dig into it, like on the surface, sure, aliens, that's what it sounds like. Weird pieces of metal, explosion in the desert. But like, listen to our whole episode to see why. But like, there's so many factors of that that are just kind of like... The government really likes to blow shit up in the desert. (laughs) Yeah, they really do. They really do. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like they irradiated a bunch of sand and killed a bunch of actors doing that. Uh, But yeah, so, but Bob Lazar, who's well known in the alien community, he does claim that the Roswell aliens are from the Zeta Reticuli system. So depending on which camp you're in, that either means that that adds evidence to the fact that the story is very true Mm -hmm. or it takes away because of like, for instance, my own feelings towards Roswell kind of takes away from it a little bit. Okay. Um, But... Fish supposedly did way later in her life after creating this whole model, spending years of her life devoted to this and actually becoming great friends with uh, Betty. They were great friends by that point. Uh, She does supposedly go back on her original statement. And that's what people claim, though. So just like conspiracies on the alien side of things and the supernatural side of things not having proof, again, we come back to people are claiming this Mm -hmm. on the skeptic side, but I found zero proof. It is not anywhere in there the only place it shows up is some for some reason it shows up in her obituary 
but I almost feel like it's her. What? That's the only place it shows up. And I almost feel like it's her family trying to give her a little bit more credit at the end of her mm-hmm. life since she was kind of looked at as a little bit crazy for falling into the bed. She was cuckoo bananas. But I don't actually think Marjorie Fish was cuckoo bananas. No. I think Marjorie Fish was a very good 3D hobbyist who was interested in star charts but might, may not have fully understood what she was looking at. But I do think her story is very interesting. At the end of the day, she doesn't really change much of the outcome with this. But she does kind of create the model that we have for their solar system. Yep. Yeah, and we'll put up that picture. Is this a good place to do my corrections corner? Sure. What's your corrections corner? Okay. In part one, go listen to it. I said that I found it interesting that most of the skeptics I found who have podcasts (laughs) didn't have any qualifications to be skeptics. (laughs) Like, or to um, to deny the Betty and Barney Hill incident. Uh, I guess my correction is I am also not qualified <laughs> to have to um, claim that it's real or not real. So to all you skeptics out there, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing good work. Keep your podcast going. <laughs> so we'll conclude this, this story. Finally. Um, <laughs> So Barney ultimately, unfortunately, died of a cerebral cerebral, hem- cerebral hemorrhage at 46 in 1969. Yeah, Barney struggled for the rest of his life, very short life, sadly. He struggled with a lot of um, physical ailments and yeah. probably mental ailments as well i mean he was already missing his teeth in his in his late 30s yeah so. having dentures and you're it's like oh shit yeah, he wasn't even 40 it yet. was a it was an accident from being in the military oh. that caused him oh. to lose his teeth so that wasn't a, that has nothing to that, do with yeah it wasn't, well i'm yeah. just saying he wasn't in great condition True. though i mean at that point yeah but he was uh, yeah he really really um his stress really did affect him physiologically I, I did hear the, the, end of his life. the story of the day that he died, and it was actually, I mean, aside from the fact that he died, it was it was kind of nice. I don't know if we mentioned, but like Betty and Barney both worked a lot of hours, and so they almost never saw each other. And Barney worked out of town, and he drove a lot of hours. And on this particular day, they got one of the worst snowstorms in history, and for the first time that Barney had ever worked at the Postal Service, it was shut down. Hmm. And Betty wasn't able to go to work. And so they were able to take a holiday, a completely unplanned day off together. They didn't drive through Canada in the middle of the night, did no. they? <laughs> they stayed home, and it sounds like they made themselves some drinks, and they dicked around, and Barney challenged her to pool and all this stuff, and danced in their basement. And unfortunately, he just happened to have a hemorrhage, and he had suffered a severe stroke, and they got him to the hospital, but he died shortly after. So, but at least they got to have a nice day off together. Yeah. Which is kind of sweet. It's beautiful. (laughs) And allegedly, right after his death, Betty was driving home nearby the cemetery that he was buried in. And she claims to have seen the same ship that they saw in 1961. And she got out of her car and waved to them. (laughs) And and they kind of had like a... Like a silent moment between the two of them, and she just like she pointed in the direction of Barney's grave. Like, yeah, we know we already robbed it. It's cool. And after a second of hovering, <laughs> it took off that way. You are so mean right now. <laughs> the aliens went to go pay their respects. I you do feel don't like... think they would have taken his body? They're like, we we did a lot of things to it. 
now that there will be no objection from the person, we are going to take his body and do more stuff to it. No, I was kind of wonder like, is it just like two guys in a helicopter and two like, points? <laughs> she's like, oh my god, it's you! And they're like, what's happening? Is that woman she pointing at us? She specifically saw the red lights. Like on the Helicopters don't have red lights. <laughs> no, they <Solved>. don't. <laughs> okay, yeah. so then Betty does die eventually because, you know... She didn't die until 2004, though. Yeah, 2004. Right? She lived a long cuckoo bananas life. (laughs) She became a big celebrity of the UFO community, but then ultimately completely discredited herself by consistently claiming obvious things to be UFOs and was constantly reporting sightings that were easily discredited by being airplanes or helicopters or what what have you. Yeah. And so she ultimately fell from fame and then died from cancer. Okay. It's kind of one of those things I feel like where, like, she at the end of her life was, like, throwing, like, a hundred darts at the board at, the, at a time <laughs> and, like, hoping, like, one's going to stick, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But even if one does stick, people don't care as much because you threw a hundred rather than the first yeah. dart she threw with her very yeah. first case. She's trying to stay yeah. relevant and that's... Yep. That doesn't she work out too hard. Yeah. Conclusion. Yeah. So I wanted to say something about hypnosis. Uh, okay. That, so hypnosis is not a concrete science. There is science to it that talks about how it can work and how it does work. Um, there are a couple important things. People claim that they were hypnotized and they were just more susceptible to being influenced. However, mm-hmm. what we've pretty much found with hypnosis at the moment is that you have a certain level of influence in being hypnotized as the actual event. But in terms of after you're hypnotized, being able to be influenced is kind of just different between people. But there's not really a way to tell who's going to be more susceptible and who isn't. Yeah. It's just a matter of whether or not you can even be hypnotized in the first place. Some people legitimately cannot. So Yeah. And yeah. they, I, I heard a probably a psychologist or psychiatrist who can perform hypnosis they said the more the more easily someone is put under hypnosis the the easier it is to influence them or or um extort them or yeah or guide their thought process yeah to what you want it to be yeah now going further into this with traumatic amnesia and hypnosis Typically, events are considered accurate when they're pulled from that. The events themselves mm-hmm. and the trauma itself is considered true. Usually, it's very easily pulled out. And the only issue that comes along with it is are the, are the minute details. Yeah. So, the details themselves of like how everything looks, who it was, when it happened, how it happened, all of that can be manufactured or distorted Mm -hmm. and that's because of the situation you're in Mm -hmm. so while betty and barney probably faced trauma again it's it's hard to dispute that they faced trauma they obviously faced something something happened that freaked them out whether honestly whether it was then or whether they were pulling something from a different time something happened that freaked them out it's wild as we never figured out what right if it was anything other than UFOs. and that's because this is why hypnosis is not one like people don't want to widely use this to try and figure out traumatic events because once those details are distorted they can stay distorted which means you just officially think that that's what happened and it can take a lot of regression to then go all the way back and then restart and figure it out. Yeah. So that can be a huge issue with hypnosis. So again, most likely 
Betty and Barney experienced something. So there's a lot of people out there that say, like, the whole story is bullshit. Again, every single lie, there's some kind of truth there. That's always the case. I mean, literally 100% of the time. There's always some kind of truth in the lie. Mm -hmm. But in this case, most likely a lot of these events are fantasized. So the issues with Betty's memory, just to go over a couple of things real quick. One of the things that I found that's just super kind of weird that we didn't really go into is uh, the aliens having books. I just don't understand why they would have paper. They have traveled <laughs> on a spaceship very, a very, very far distance. Supposedly. Paper is not a material that stays around. Maybe it it's wasn't not paper. a good material. She described it, it as like a book. like a metal book. She said there was no... <laughs> she, she never described any other detail other than the book, though, which is the problem with her memory is she only describes things that she's seen. Mm -hmm. And overhead projectors on pull-down screens, they were widely used. They were, like, extremely common in the 60s, and they were already widely used before the 60s. So she would have known about those very, very easily. So that's not something that would be out of ordinary, out of mm -hmm. the ordinary for her. The medical devices were outdated. We did mention that. Um, it's really odd, the zipper thing, because one thing we didn't mention is that she says they are dressed in Navy, like uniforms or clothing with zippers on them, but that they then, she then oh, later yeah, says, yeah, she then later says <laughs> yeah, she... that they didn't know how to work a zipper, which and is- And she a... had to show them and it was this whole like, <laughs> I've been and trying to get this suit off for decades. They're like, oh, <laughs> you just pull on it. But uh, also, there's one really, really weird thing to me. And one thing I didn't actually think about until I was relooking at some of the things that are in the book. And they didn't realize what had happened to them immediately, so they say. However, mm -hmm. they took her fingernails and they took skin off of her body. But like, you they don't notice for like skin. You wouldn't notice that though? And, like, you wouldn't notice your fingernails. Like, my fingernails are pretty short most of the time. But, like, if just part of my fingernails is missing suddenly, I'm pretty sure I would notice. Well, that's why. Wasn't it like they noticed they felt weird, but their memories were fragmented? So, it was it was that, like, what the f I think uh. it's just, like, the patch of skin for me because it's specifically a dull knife. Mm -hmm. Like, a dull knife going over your skin. That is definitely going to be something you're going to notice later. I think they were just taking, like, the top layer. Like, if you scratch your skin... You're going to get some skin off. I guess. I mean, it's just, I don't know. To me, it sounds really weird. Um, yeah. I don't know. It just, there's a lot of questions there that I feel like are not really answered and don't really make mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Well, there's a lot of weird overlap with her hypnosis and her dreams and what she says right. awake. Yeah. So yeah. there are details that are mushed around. And even the, I, I read that the Air Force did come back a couple times too to, to re-interview her on some things. Where so... When they did the examinations, they took them onto the ship, but stayed on Earth? Supposedly. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they ever mentioned anything taking off. So... They also didn't really start remembering the main details until three years later. Right. And they had had so they, they plenty of time years. to communicate before they went under hypnosis. They had time to... Yeah, it wasn't um, just like they waited two months and then went under hypnosis. Like, this was several years yeah. later... Of them ruminating on these things and thinking about stuff over and over again and talking to people about it and trying to find a hypnosis person mm -hmm. until they finally actually got around to getting the story Somebody, yeah. recorded. I, I heard this, um, again, on the Strange Arrivals podcast I listened to um, when they were talking to a psychiatrist. He's like... 
Where does the line blur between reality and nightmare? Mm-hmm. I think the line was pretty blurred. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, it's, it, it's a good question to ruminate on because it's Betty and Barney felt like it was reality yeah. and not nightmare. They were very, they were very, very adamant. Yeah, and it playing into other factors too, like people question the exhaustion, I know is something that is brought up, and they would have been exhausted, I don't think they would have been so exhausted that they encountered a bunch of this kind of stuff. I know you can definitely encounter weird things, but this is a little too vivid, I think. Even even the original story is too vivid. It's too many times of them stopping and looking through binoculars and all that kind of stuff. There's too many weird details that aren't really playing to exhaustion as much. Yeah. Um, and then there's also, I mean, one thing that's big is people act like this is the first time that anything like this had really happened. And while yes, there hadn't really been anyone that had claimed abduction on like modern record, there were tons and tons and tons of movies and books that had those sequences in them there. I mean, uh, plan nine from outer space, which is a terrible movie, but has a similar idea to it came out two years prior yeah science fiction was huge it was gigantic i mean the amount of movies that came out just through the 60s like 50s and 60s alone it's absurd i mean like we got all of our classic like alien like terrible alien movies from around that time it was around the 50s when they blew up and they kind of took over westerns and they i mean this was definitely suggested to them but it was like one of those instances where betty was like i don't watch that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was like, Greys? I don't know what Greys are. I don't even, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know. It was like a quick write-off. Yeah. Like a, yeah. No, I don't do that. But yeah, and one of the biggest things for me, though, is just, again, like, while abductions weren't prevalent in terms of contactees in real life, they were prevalent in movies. So right. they were already a thing. They were, it wasn't new. And then I also, so the description of cigar-shaped with a little viewing section with a bunch of people walking around mm-hmm. in it that you can see sounds so, so, and two little wings with red light tips yeah. at the end sounds so much like a blimp to me that like, I can't get the image of a blimp out of my head. So I looked it up just to see, I was like, were blimps even a thing? Were they even a thing? They did fade out from, uh, from public use in terms of like transportation. They faded out around the sixties actually, but they were still prevalent in the beginning of the sixties. But even through the 60s and even through now the military actually uses blimps and what we know now and we actually found out around the 90s there were some files uncovered from the military that found that they had actually been experimenting with private contracts with blimps for a defense network those contracts ran all the way through 2015 when the military finally just gave up because it failed miserably over and over and over again and they couldn't like they completely apparently lost one of their blimps in 2015 <laughs> they had an unmanned it blimp and just it just went it just missing. started to float away <laughs> so they Whoops. one of one of the generals or one of the people that was head of the project he said that there was just too much technology involved that wasn't was working was it moving erratically so, this commandeered it and and now and we've got the hills well it was basically just a giant balloon that one but now we've got like satellites and all kinds of things so really blimps are kind of out of touch but it's an important point because they were they were still using private contracts for new defense technology using blimps in the 60s mm-hmm. which sounds very similar to what's going on here to me just because cigar shaped people inside this viewing area wingtips at the end with lights on them 
and the Air Force being a little bit too curious about what's happening to these two random people in the mountains. Again, Mm -hmm. they are not the Mm -hmm. only we contacted UFO people, but they happen to be somewhere where a civilian center caught a glimpse of something on radar and a military, like a military radar station also found something. And again, going back to Roswell, the Air Force Center in Roswell did not know anything about any secret projects that were going on in Area 51. And they were not far from each other, but they still had no idea. So just because a military radar station picks up something doesn't mean they're privy to that information. Mm-hmm. They don't get to know that information. So I just thought that was all really interesting because originally I was like, blimps, it sounds fun. And then when I looked into the history of blimps, which I never thought I'd do, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a little weird to actually see like the history of blimps and kind of how all of this works, including some blimps in their past have had things that hang from them as well. And I remember one of the reports that Henderson gave in the first episode, he gave a report that it was possibly a weather balloon with something swinging underneath, which Probably caused the erratic movements, which would almost make sense if they saw the erratic movements of something underneath a blimp that was meant to be a defense network. And when he looked through the binoculars, he didn't catch that because it would have been moving too much. He caught the survey station that's on the blimp. And then as it got closer, they would have been able to see the actual wings connected to the lights. Got it. But anyway, that's my kind of weird theory for this i it sounds interesting enough to me totes yeah um one note i made about kathleen martin who wrote the book captured and was um betty's niece is yes she's still alive okay yep she's alive. i watched a video of her at the <laughs> ufo festival in exeter new hampshire and she seems like a grifter to me um the way she spoke at this in this one video I saw, but just the way she presented herself, presented the facts, present or quote unquote facts, presented her information. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like she was. Oh, and I went to her website oh, and she has a website. looked at all the like book Kathleen for your next. So like she's making money off of this. She has been capitalizing on this for a very long time so i don't know she seems a little sus to me (laughs) i guess yeah that's fair yeah in the in the book uh, captured it definitely kind of at the end descends into a little bit of rambling madness yeah so you can really tell that it's it's written by a ufologist with a stance yeah so that's probably fair, a fair assumption. I think she's biased, if nothing else. Oh, I mean, she's definitely biased. She saw something that was spectacular when she was younger. I believe that the compass thing probably happened. I don't really know why it happened, but it seems like that's a pretty solid story. Of the compass did freak out over the car, and there were weird spots on it. Why that happened, who knows? We there there are magnetic anomalies that do occur in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean there's there's weird things that happen. So it's possible that something weird happened. But I think she did also just see some weird things as a kid and probably influences the rest of your life very, very easily. So, right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, possibility. She's also just drifting off of this and she's kind of just making all her money I think, off of it. I think since Betty's death, she definitely has been grifting a lot more. Um, Jen, what do you think is the truth? The truth is... Out there. <laughs> I believe that they experienced something that was traumatic, and um, I I don't know. I 
when I listened to the audio of their hypnosis sessions, I was like, it felt, it felt like, it felt real. It felt, I could feel their emotion. I could feel the fear and how they, how they were reacting. Um, definitely something strange happened to them. I don't doubt it. Barney was obviously dealing with post-traumatic stress. Um, I think it would be interesting to research maybe more of their lives before 1961 mm-hmm. to see like how Betty grew up. Yeah. What was what was in, what was she influenced by um, before the incident and that kind of thing? Because she obviously pushed for the publicity and pushed f- to keep keep it relevant. And then, of course, after Barney died, she just went downhill. She just kept talking. She talked so much that she ended up talking in circles around herself. Yeah. Like, oh, did I say that? I meant this. So, yeah. Um, Allie, what do you think? (laughs) Um, I mean, I kind of agree with you. If it wasn't for Barney, I don't know if I would think anything happened to them. Because he was so adamant at, like just moving on with life right if it was just him alone he probably would have never even told anybody mm-hmm. he probably would have been like that was weird which happens uh, to a lot of trauma survivors yeah and i think if it wasn't for betty they wouldn't have done anything about it but something traumatized barney into the point that he was physically ill from it something happened and i mean i don't know maybe betty like you were saying, like maybe Betty's always been into UFOs and like sensationalizing things. Who I knows? think it could absolutely have been some sort of government experiment. Government they they accidentally stumbled upon a facility I, that they shouldn't have been on. You know, it, it was well, dark. What I'm, it was what I'm kind of imagining of is was, like you know how in Barney's story he he turns off onto a road and doesn't even realize that he turns off on a different road. And I'm wondering if he went somewhere and a bunch of men stopped him. Like, because if you pull into a a military facility, they're going to stop you. And maybe they all had guns and they threatened them. And something happened. Or maybe they pulled them out of the car and questioned them. Maybe you all know? the the guns had like you know the the uh, laser <laughs> lights on them, like red lights. <laughs> they yeah, were moving so erratically. They they had some kind of experience and they were eventually let go, and it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, something happened. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But was it aliens? Who knows? I think Betty did a pretty good job of discrediting herself later in life. So that's my only problem. Cameron. Yeah. So kind of a similar thing. I mean, I don't... So I don't think they turned on to, like, an accidental military base or something. I think someone would have already figured out that there was a military base in that area if that was the case. We have a lot of uncovered files now. I mean, just, like, it was, like, an example of, like, people being there to stop you. Like, not necessarily a military base, but, like, yeah. some kind of project out there. Yeah. Yeah. So what I think it was is I'm going to actually stick with the idea that it, it doesn't necessarily need to be a blimp. But I'm going to stick with the idea that it was something aerial that they were testing, probably mm-hmm. private contracted for some kind of defense network, especially this was in the 60s. I mean, this is the height of all wars. And also I mean, it was in the really mountains at 2 a.m. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. But so what I think is they stumbled across something like that. I think they were going a similar direction. They, they kept looking. They saw someone through the window of whatever was flying which was probably some type of experiment that didn't work. As we saw in 2015, a blimp flew away. 
2015, the military cannot keep control of their own aerial (laughs) technology. So in the 60s, for them to have something crash, not surprising, because also going back to Dolce Base and Paul Benowitz, he at one point found a drone crash. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's not surprising that the military would be out there like, you cannot look at this. Plus, they saw the fireball. And I think if anything is real in the story, I think they saw something that was crashed. I think they saw something in the woods that was on fire and there was probably the military there. They probably, like you said, Allie, probably stopped them. It was probably something that was not exactly fun, especially because he is also a black man in the 60s. -hmm. And I can't imagine that Mm -hmm. also went very well Mm -hmm. because he's driving in the middle middle of the night and he comes across some type of private military thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't imagine that would have gone very well. That could have been very traumatic. And it was the most traumatic for him. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I yeah. think is very odd. So she could have had a very pleasant experience in terms of like, you just need to not be out here or whatever, while he talked to three other people and did not have such a pleasant experience. Yeah. Now, after that, they started talking about it. They get in touch with the Air Force and Henderson, who I think probably didn't know about it. Because again, not the branches of the military do not speak mm-hmm. to each other. So who knows who was testing yeah. what. And I think after someone found out he was testing something and there's two other sightings then I think they tried to gang stalk the Hills to discredit them, which again, we already know the military's done with Paul Benowitz. Mm-hmm. They literally drove Benowitz pretty much to but his death. But I just death. love that it didn't work. But yeah. it didn't work with Betty the Hills, right. Like, and I think that's, okay. that's what changes the story is it didn't mm-hmm. work. And then again, going back to tra- like the traumatic uh, like recall, I think absolutely something traumatic happened. It probably wasn't pleasant. Mm-hmm. He could have gotten shoved around or whatever. But then I or think, worse. or worse, I mean, but then I think that every other detail was just too heavy to mm-hmm. be real. Everything mm-hmm. felt kind of fake after that point. Like after the men approach their car and surround them, that's when everything seems different. Mm-hmm. And like the scuffs on his shoes, I mean, again, if he got pushed around, it would make sense that there's like scuffs on his shoes. Maybe the story of like her getting stuff coming from her arm, maybe she did notice an abrasion on her arm. I mean, there's a possibility that they were roughed up a little bit. Yeah. Especially maybe, in the maybe 60s. Maybe they were pulled out of the car. That's how, how her dress yeah. got torn. Yeah, exactly. Have, okay, so I'm recalling. I'm, I should go under hypnosis now. I'm just <laughs> kidding. My husband and I were driving home. We were on a road trip driving home. We had to get home that night because I had to work the next day. It was the middle of the night. I don't even know where we were. I'm pretty sure we were in Wyoming. We were driving home from like Bozeman, Montana. So it was late. <laughs> the desolate we, nothing land. We were exhausted. It was drive for an hour and then switch so we could sleep and drive and sleep and drive. And we were, it was dark. It was so dark. There was nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, I got pulled over by a police officer for speeding. <laughs> and when he came up to the car, I just burst into tears. So I was so exhausted. And he goes, where are you headed? And I was like, Denver. <laughs> and he, I could tell he felt bad for me because he knew how far away we still were. <laughs> so he let me off with a warning. And he was just like, you just got to slow down because these roads curve and it's really dark. And it's like, I don't know. Now imagine if it was a bunch of so military. So imagine if guns. I had been like, oh, I just turned. I pulled up to a military base i don't know i can just picture all of it when you're exhausted when you're in the middle of nowhere it can fuck with your brain 
Yeah, they really can. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, so I think that's everything. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if you think it's real. Let us know if you're Kathleen Martin listening to this and we were wrong. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> we get roasted. <laughs> and But yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. It's a possibility that it's real. I think most likely a lot of stuff points to it not being real. And I think Betty also just kind of wanted something special at a certain point, too. Mm-hmm. And I think she was more willing to believe in aliens because her sister had seen aliens already at this point in their lives. So, yeah. But, yeah, we're on social media. The social medias. Yep. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Goodreads. You can find the books that we talked about and any others that I may find in the process of putting things mm-hmm. on Goodreads. <laughs> um, there's also the newsletter to keep an eye out for. There's a lot of photos of this. Um, by the time you listen to the second part, you'll already see some of the ones from the first part. So that's cool. But now there's more. Uh, so look for that. And yeah, thanks for listening to this two-part madness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, let us know if there's anything weird that we missed again, because like there might oh, be something big. I mean, there's a ton in the story. We didn't go <laughs> over so everything. Much. We know we didn't go over everything, just mm-hmm. so everybody's clear on that. We're perfectly aware we did not. Um, but yeah, let us know if there's any interesting conspiracies that we haven't talked about on the show before, too, because we're always open for suggestions on interesting things. And thank you so much for listening. I've been Cameron. I'm still Allie. And I'm Jen. She is Jen. And for all of our other podcast hosts, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Remember to always stay stitious. And if an alien hands you a book, try to keep it. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye.